In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I want to begin this morning by saying how heartily grateful I am for you, for this congregation, and for the goodness of God. As um, we announced last week at our congregational meeting, um, we have met the one and a half million dollar goal that we had set uh, beginning 18 months ago as we talked about our A Light Legacy Love campaign. And as of the end of this week, there's um, $1,500,921 that have been pledged. And so, praise be to God. And thank you to so many of you in this room. Now, Pete Barr, your punishment for skipping the congregational meeting is that you you get acknowledged today for your role. Pete was the honorary chair of our committee, and I want to give you this cube that says, Light, Legacy, Love. In your light, we see light, Psalm 36, verse 9. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. Thank you very much. And, and also a thank you to those of you who for 18 months have been listening, and we're, we're all in different places in our journey, and um, I remember what it is to be really grumpy when they got up in church and talked about money, uh, until it became my responsibility. <laughs> so thank you for wherever you are on the, on the continuum, and, and praise be to the Lord for His provision for us. Okay, so that's the good news. That's done. The bad news is that there's going to be a lot of inconvenience in the next little bit of time. You notice there's a big, big old honking piece of equipment out here in the parking lot taking up space. Well, there's going to be more of that. This week, we'll begin painting the outside of the cathedral. We've already painted the outside of the educational building. We'll be painting this building. It means Jefferson's going to be closed off for a little bit. And then after Easter sometime, um, make sure that you take care of whatever business you need to take care of before you get here because the bathrooms are going to be torn out and the parlor area is going to be redone, kitchen's going to be redone. So we'll, we'll keep you apprised of when all that's going to take place. But it's going to be amazing and awesome when it's all done. But going to require some patience and forbearance uh, in between now and then. So why start a sermon or a homily with, uh, with a note like that? Well, our lectionary today points us to, um, to what God thinks about buildings. Psalm 84 is a lovely description of what the, a building like this, which the temple was, is supposed to do. The psalmist says three times, blessed are they. The first is, blessed are they who dwell in the house of the Lord. It's sweet to be in a place that puts you in mind of the reality and the wonder of who God is. And um, even, even thinking about the, 
the sparrows and the swallows that take up their residence there. Now, hopefully we don't have sparrows and swallows living in here, but in the temple courtyard, it was open to, it was open to the skies. And so you had, well, I mean, we have, okay, lizards in the memorial garden. So that's, that's our equivalent. But how blessed is everyone and all creatures who get to be a part of that. That's verse 4. Verse 5, the psalmist goes, How blessed are those whose strength is in the Lord. And that is, he is remembering the fact that, he's reflecting on the fact that he's not at the temple. And all he can do is remember what it was like to be there. And he can find strength to move from strength to strength on the basis of his memory of what it was to be there. And I don't know about you, but like when I go on vacation, as nice as my surroundings are at vacation, I remember being here, especially on Sundays, and I, and I long and pine for it. So much, so much is the memory of having been in the house um, important to the psalmist that he can say, like, even when you go through the valley of tears, they can become springs of life for you. So a place like this is made to give nourishment and sustenance to our soul, even when we're not able to be there. And then finally, the psalmist says at the, in the last verse, blessed are those who trust in the Lord. The Lord is their son and their strength. So no matter whether the building stands or not, the Lord shines in, into our lives. And the building is supposed to put us in mind of that. Then Malachi gives us another angle of vision on the building. By Malachi's time, that first temple had been torn down and rebuilt. And it wasn't a, the second building wasn't as great as the first. But the people were also told, don't despise the day of, of smaller beginnings. But there was a certain presumptuousness and pride that had set in among the people. And Malachi is saying, look, when the Lord comes to dwell in his holy temple, which is what the point of the temple is, it's not going to necessarily be good news for everybody. And he has three points of complaint. One is the priests are not doing their jobs. They're often offering sloppy sacrifices and sloppy teachings. They're allowing, they're allowing sorcery, uh, oppression of the widow, the stranger, the second complaint is marriage is in really bad shape. People are getting married not primarily so that they can build one another up in the faith. They're marrying for whatever reason, whether it's, um, I don't know, we got married in a fever hotter than a pepper sprout, or whether it's for family alliances or whatever. But eventually, um, b- because you've chosen to 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 take to bed someone that isn't going to help you grow in your faith and you're not going to help them grow in your faith, then you decide at some point it doesn't matter who I sleep with. And then third, Malachi accuses the people of robbing God because as much as they've been able to raise funds to rebuild the temple, people are not tithing and they're not offering over and above that. And so the storehouses that are supposed to be full are not full. And he says, basically, look, test me. 
Give what you're supposed to give and see if I don't shower blessings down upon you. Uh, the more I read Malachi, the more I feel like this is a timely word for the church today. But uh, that's as far as I'm going to go <laughs> with that, uh, with reflections on Malachi. But then in our gospel passage, a third reflection on the significance of the building. Because... Malachi had said all that he said because one day the Lord was going to come to his house and he was going to purify it so that worship could be made pure again, so that incense could be offered and the name of God would be glorified. And on the day of presentation, the Lord of that temple does come. He's carried in, in the arms of his mother who also in some mysterious way is his daughter. 33 days beforehand, she had brought him to be circumcised. And now 33 days after what we celebrate on January 1st, the Feast of the Holy Name, there is the Feast of Presentation, which harkens back to Leviticus 12, when 33 days after circumcision, the mother of the firstborn is to bring her child and to offer a sacrifice as she sets him aside to be holy and as she offers an atoning sacrifice for her own purification. Just think about what's going on here. Mary is bringing the son who has 33 days earlier done what is going to happen 33 years later or so as he sheds not just the blood of his foreskin but the blood of his life to cover your sin and mine to offer what the writer to the Hebrews calls an atoning sacrifice for our sins as a merciful and faithful high priest and now 33 days later she comes and offers a sacrifice for her own purification her own tacit expression of faith in this one that they're setting aside to be holy will offer a sacrifice to cover her need to be purified and made holy. And then that opens up to these lovely expressions of faith by Simeon and Anna. Simeon, who is a resident of Jerusalem, who's looking for the consolation of Israel and recognizes that in this child, Israel's destiny to be a light to the nations will be realized only through the irony of something that's going to break a mother's heart. And then 84-year-old prophet Anna, who's been living in the temple as a widow, who out of her faithfulness to a marriage that has been long gone, and through her fasting and her prayers, everything the opposite of what Malachi saw in the people, she is able to discern that this, this baby is going to be the redemption of Jerusalem, the one who's going to buy her precious city out of the ongoing slavery to sin and despair and darkness. Uh, friends, as grateful as I am for 
our commitment to refurbish this place so that the light could shine in and the light could shine out and to take care of our kids and to, well, to just do what we need to do as stewards of this architectural gem and our strategic place in the, in the city, beautiful. I would be even more grateful if the kind of faith that, that, that Mary expressed in bringing her son and setting him aside to be holy in recognition of her own need for purification. If that faith could be true of us, if the faith of a Simeon who recognizes that in this child there is the hope for light to go out, and if, in the, and if a faith among us like that of Anna to recognize that he is the one who through what we celebrate at this table offers a redemption, a, a freeing us from the captivity of sin and self-obsession and giving ourselves. But to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, to him be the glory in Christ Jesus and in the church now and forever. Amen.